Today's episode is sponsored by Alliance Leisure, the UK's leading leisure development specialist. Over the last 30 years, Alliance has worked with numerous local authorities to design and develop community sustainable leisure environments that encourage active lives, promote community cohesion, and tackle health inequalities. With a diverse portfolio of more than 220 leisure developments ranging from single site projects to multi-million pound complete leisure portfolio transformations, Alliance Leisure Services can be procured through the UK Leisure Framework. The framework is open to all public sector organisations in the UK. For more information, visit allianceleisure.co.uk. Hello there and welcome back to The Truth About Local Government. Now, leadership has never been more important than it is today. And a lot of our leaders have less experience than their peers would have done 20 years ago. Um, And there's many factors for that. But what is important is that we give those leaders the tools and the skills and the support for them to thrive in those really important influential positions. to help me explore this topic in more detail, I'm really delighted to have David Crow, who is the director uh, of the commercial function uh, business unit at Local Partnerships LLP, to talk about the CEO blueprint, uh, which has been in the works for some time that is, is being created. So, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me. It's, it's absolutely brilliant to have you on. So if we could start with a, a very simple starting point. What is the CEO blueprint? Okay, so uh, if it's okay with you, I'll just kind of wind back some, give you some context to why why we think this is necessary and why we've why we've created it. So over the last sort of decade or so, um, following on from the Localism Act of 2011, that gave local authorities greater powers to trade, and there has been as a as a consequence a significant increase in the scale of of commercial activity that local authorities have undertaken. So for local authorities, this has been a real key way of addressing real time reductions in funding and and they've undertaken lots of activities, things like creating companies uh, or directly investing in assets like affordable housing or commercial properties and things like shopping centres, hotels leisure complexes, office accommodation, solar farms, all those sort of things, uh, as well as setting up trading companies in areas that that are generally outside the typical range of services that local authorities have historically provided, like energy provision, banking, care provision, recruitment, um, leisure and culture, things like that. Transferring delivery to to um, arm's length vehicles like social enterprises or trusts, sharing services with other local authorities, and generally providing services for commercial re- return to other clients. So that activity is is relative, and I'll come back to this. It's relatively new to local authorities. So. What we thought it would be very useful to do is is, is produce a, a, a blueprint for chief executives um, to feel confident that they've got, got all the bases covered when it comes to commercial com, council commerciality. Sorry. So we, we will produce other CEO blueprints, but this one at this point is aimed at commercial activity for local authorities, specifically for, for, for chief executives. Um, 
some of the content will be familiar for many CEOs, uh, but there should be something here for everyone. And and you know, for, for those who are knowledgeable in the space, it will hopefully reinforce what they already know. It's probably generally more likely to be relevant to new and aspiring CEOs, particularly those without a commercial background. So, as I say, to enable them to feel confident they've got the bases covered when it comes to that that commercial activity. I think one of the things around this is just why it's so important and why it's such a fantastic initiative is because the buck does stop with the chief executives and with the leader of the organisation. And, you know, for those at home who are listening who don't work for local authorities, you'll, you'll have heard me say this before, but when the changes came into uh, effect in terms of when local government was told by central government, we're going to reduce your funding, there was a do or die in terms of this looking at alternative ways to generate revenue. Um, now, some councils have done amazing work, some councils have struggled, uh, and there have been a yeah. few instances, I won't say specific instances, where you know there's, they've, they've lost money. But it, it stems from a fact, not from, from greed, it's, it's come from the fact that they're trying to survive and trying to deliver frontline services. So I think it's absolutely fantastic that uh, Local Partnership LLP has created this mm this manual this this uh blueprint to support ceos who let's be honest here being a ceo being a chief executive can be sometimes quite a lonely position particularly from a commercial perspective um how long has this been in the works for david it must be quite a bit of work that's gone into creating this yeah i, I suppose if, if i just kind of wind back about the work that that, that, that we've done so you know, I, I've led a lot of, lot of work in this commercial space. So I recently led a, a pretty comprehensive review of commercial investments across the whole local authority sector. So that review included a survey of all councils, all 300 and odd councils that exist. We followed that up with interviews with over 40 senior local government officers, so chief executives, directors of finance, commercial directors, and as part of that process, we asked councils what they've done in the commercial space, what barriers they've experienced, what the challenges are, what are the conditions for success and what's worked well, etc. So um, as well as that, we also spoke to um, representatives of the private sector, so financial, commercial, legal advisors, investors, auditors. And in addition to that, we've worked with a number of councils on the commercial strategy, undertaken lots of reviews of commercial programmes and projects. And on the back of that work, we've produced guidance on trading companies, which has been really well received and which you can find on our website. So all that combined learning, all that work that we've undertaken has actually kind of led to us producing this document. So so it's a it's. Uh, in a, an iterative process that's gone on over a couple of years to refine our knowledge and bring it together in this in this document. And what does success look like for you from this document being created? Yeah, I, I, I suppose um, in a way, it's 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 about local authorities and, and and particularly chief executives being able to address some of the some of the key kind of. Um, challenges that they've got so you know i i i think part of it is just, just in answer to that question just just to go back to your the previous point that you were making about the environment so if i again just to contextualize commercial activity so you know it's really nothing new to local government in a way it was practiced at the end of the you know the, the 19th century by by joseph chamberlain who was mayor of birmingham neville chamberlain uh 
prime minister at the war during the war before Churchill, his father. So he set up a number of municipal companies to deliver utilities. So so local authorities have always been in this space. But I think you, you going back to the point that you alluded to previously, some local authorities feel there's been mixed messages from government about commercialization. You know, they feel that they were they were encouraged to dabble in more commercial projects and investments through that localism act and through nods and winks by government as, as a means of offsetting the, the you know the the adverse effects of austerity and at the same time the scrutiny and oversight of of, of local government was reduced through through the abolition of the audit commission so in some ways it's not really that surprising that over time some councils took quite risky naive decisions and 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 some and i do emphasize it's only some it's a minority overreach themselves and more recently it's become apparent to government that this was happening and I think as a result there's been a, a recent tightening up of the rules around borrowing of course and, and much greater political and media scrutiny about what councils are doing in order to hold them to account in this space so in terms of success for us look it is it is about councils then being equipped to address those issues, to stand up to, to external scrutiny and challenge, to feel they've got all the necessary you know, prerequisites to, to, to effectively manage and oversee their, 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 their commercial investments so that they, you know, they, that they, in terms of the local media, in terms of national media, in terms of central government scrutiny, and in terms of the scrutiny from their, their own council taxpayers, they feel they, you know, they that they, they can they can stand up and display a, a robust process being in place to to justify what they're doing. David, you're an expert in commercialisation within local authorities or commercialism, I should say. You know, you just listed out there some pretty difficult things that local authorities are having to face. You know, let alone the fact that their cost base is increasing and that yeah. society as a whole is is fundamentally more complex, or maybe the service we're offering have become more complex. Um, particularly since post-COVID. Mm. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the approach that uh, central government's taken? Do you, do you know, do you think, do you think it's, well, I guess we're I'm trying to, I'm not trying to lead you down a garden path, but what I'm trying to mm. ask essentially is, it feels like local government's been given a bit of a short straw when it comes to not only the funding, but also, you know, the uh, the the support they've had to, you know, to thrive with the, you know, the restrictions they've got and the funding they've received and the support they've got. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's it's it the the, the challenging economic landscape that we, we we've we've got as a country, combined with reductions in local authority funding, and you know, increased expectations regarding service service provision. Uh, you know, I think it, it makes it inevitable that councils are going to continue to rely on commercial investments and 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 have to undertake some. So take some risks in order to provide additional income streams. So I do think that the, the, the whole issue of commercialization and commercial activity isn't going to go away for the for some of the reasons that you've you, you, you've you've described, Matthew. I mean, you know, I think there's there's a whole host of areas we 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 know that kind of the, the demographic trends. We've got an aging population. There's going to only only going to be uh, significant increases in the cost of social care. We know that the, the, the cost of children's social care has gone up recently due to kind of inflationary pressures as well as kind of a whole host of kind of 
health and mental health related issues relating to younger younger people. So the pressures on local government finance are only going to get more acute, irrespective of, of, of any government changes, I think. So, you know, the focus of this this blueprint is on commercial activity. So we think that will still be necessary and relevant going forward because just to a large extent, local authorities will have no choice but to operate, to continue to operate in this space. And that's the message that we're hearing when we talk to local authorities. The thing as well is I think a lot of local authorities, they want to work in this space because they see the freedom that it can create for them if it's done properly. Um, as part of your CEO blueprint, I, I appreciate, you know, Chief Executive will be reading this in detail. But from your perspective, what were the three things, if there was any, th- if there were three messages that you want people at home who are in leadership roles in the public sector to really think about or to really take away from the content you've produced? What are the three things that you'd say, right, this is absolutely essential that you think about these three key piece of information? OK, um, I, you know, I think the first thing is to to establish a really strong governance framework uh, to manage risk. And one of the things that we, we've often seen is, is a degree of, of groupthink uh, within local authorities. So what you get is kind of confirmation bias about particular investments. You often have members applying pressure on officers to take commercial risks or pursue pet project so that needs strong and confident senior management and 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 challenge from the three statutory chief officers so that's the you know the, the chief executive the monitoring officer and the section 151 officer within with, within a local authority so you know in order to do that to, to to set up that strong governance framework as well as having that that strong kind of triad you you, you need to invite external challenge i think uh, from external advisors. You also need to set up a, a corporate co- commercial board who will prioritise the best opportunities based on, on, on whatever return of in, an investment you can re- achieve and, 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 you know, and ensure that you have a robust kind of process of, of developing business cases, developing plans with progress reported to that board on a, on a regular quarterly basis. So that's the, so that that first bit of advice would be around governance um i think the the other uh, governance and and, and and challenge i think it's also important to um identify possible exit strategies uh if your new model isn't working or if it's kind of unsuccessful or there's a strange in that's change in strategy uh within the council often we find that local authorities haven't kind of thought ahead about if this doesn't work, what what we're we going to do. And so what you can sometimes see is just plowing more and more money into a, a venture that's clearly failing when they should have had a had a clearer view about how and when they would pull out an exit from from, from, from these t- types of approaches. And and finally, I think kind of big picture stuff. I think it's really important to ensure that the scale and the financial value of any investments that you're undertaking are proportionate to the size and the budget of the authority and that you review that regularly so don't basically don't overstretch yourself diversify your portfolio don't put all your eggs in one basket and don't overstretch yourself as a local authority 
to the extent that you are exposing your your local authority and your council taxpayers to significant liabilities if things go wrong or needing a bailout from central government. Absolutely spot on. Really enjoyed that. Three really cool key points. And the bit I want to go back to is is something that you mentioned at the start of that kind of tripartite um, view in terms of how to make sure uh, this this commercial activity is successful is echo chamber. Um, It's something that I think is just it's absolutely critical, isn't it? Because you know, uh, <laughs> echo chambers are just so dangerous. And it's something that I've been working with the District Council Network on is trying to, instead of having uh, individual organisations as an echo chamber, trying to have sector echo chambers. So in terms yeah. of, you know, who is the very best at doing governance? And then what can we learn from them rather than what can we learn from our own council, particularly when, you know, if it's a smaller organisation with smaller resources, or even if it is a large unitary, there is still going to be limitations uh, and potentially biases that exist within that that organisation. Um, David, where does your passion come from for this? Because you're clearly very passionate about commercialisation. Where where has the passion come from that's led you to develop this really important CEO blueprint for leaders in the public sector? Yeah, well, I, I, before I answer that, if I, if I, just just to come back to that point about the the echo chamber, and it's just because I think you made a really important point there. One thing I'd really like to see, we in local partnerships would really like to see, and I think it's something we've been trying to kind of, we've been talking to colleagues in DLUHC about, as well as the LGA and other groups, is is about having some sort of um, peer-led commercial group of, of, of council officers, elected members, private sector consultancy representatives, lawyers, investors, who could almost act as a as a um, external challenge to a whole, to, to a host of um, investments. So anything that's highly complex, high value, high risk projects that local authorities are, are, are talking about undertaking, they could invite this group in who will kick the tires on their on their project, provide genuine external scrutiny and advice, to, which would be totally independent. I think there's there's real value in the sector establishing something like that. What's the barrier uh, just, to that then? Because that 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 point there, I think, it, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So wh- why why doesn't that exist at the moment? Good question. I don't I don't think there are t- particularly any barriers. It's just about some somebody actually putting something like that together. I don't probably I I, I imagine DLUHC don't see it as their role to do that, but I do think there there is a space for for that for that to happen. It's just a matter of who who would lead it, which which body might lead it. Something we'd be happy to to to, to do, but we'd need to move forward with kind of stakeholder buying from local authorities and from other other organizations. But certainly it's something that we'll be talking to other other partners about. And 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 just on the, the the passion bit, where does my passion come from? I, you know, I think clearly, what, you know, one of the things that, that that why I work for local partnerships, why why I do this job is, I you know, I want to see value for the taxpayers. I want to see local government perform well, and 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 not be kind of traduced in the media. And, and clearly, this is an area that the 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 media have latched onto as an area that they they perceive as as local authorities having failed recently i don't and i do think that's a misrepresentation of the of the truth i think most local authorities are you know are doing a decent job in this space 
and certainly you know the, the the data that we've pulled together is most of those investments are are, are sound and the activity that the local authorities are undertaking are, are sound but nevertheless there's been a small minority who really have overreached themselves and have kind of brought the sector into into to, to some disrepute and it, it, it you know I, I think we want to do everything we can to to uh, you know address that and, and support the sector in in, in this space there's two points in there because you know on the one hand yes there are a few councils that have overreached they've only overreached because they haven't had the right governance potentially and but they've yeah. been doing so because central government's been cutting funding but i must say i, I really do just have absolutely zero faith in the majority of mainstream media they sensationalize stories to sell papers they don't give a balanced viewpoint and they don't fundamentally understand the pressures nor do they educate the public on the challenges that are being faced and like the background context as to why this happens in the first place because and i go back to my point i said at the start of this episode i've never met a single person who's made a commercial decision in the council that has any motivation apart from trying to maintain frontline services it's not about making profit for the sake of making profit um so that's why this is just so important than what you've created david and i think you know i really do appreciate and i think you know the sector appreciates the work that yourself and your colleagues are doing at local partnerships llp um so thank you very much for giving us an oversight to that and i will when we um when the podcast episode goes out what i'll also do is we we'll, we'll can send some rhetoric around you know the creation of this board it's almost this advisory board because i think that's got absolute legs and it would be an absolutely fantastic thing to have to try and champion best practice and uh, and have that kind of that high standard across local authorities agreed agreed now thank you thank you matthew and thank you thank you for having me thank you for your time now generally a wonderful conversation and for those listening at home i hope that you've taken uh, at least some of what David said on board. Um, this is applicable to not only public sector organisations, but also the private sector. Um, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do give it a like, give it a share, and feel free to have a look at the great work the local partners at LLP are doing uh, to support public sector organisations across the UK. It's a really interesting um, organisation from an ownership perspective, and they are doing some genuinely trailblazing stuff uh, across commercialisation, climate uh, and general support across public sector. So goodbye for now and thank you for tuning in once again. Today's episode is sponsored by the UK Leisure Framework, the UK's only dedicated leisure framework. The UK Leisure Framework allows for the direct appointment of a development partner for scoping, design and construction of leisure centres and sports facilities. The framework is available to all UK public sector organisations and has completed over 100 projects to date. For more information, visit leisureframework.co.uk.